0: This is a, a high-voltage verse here that we find in Deuteronomy chapter 33. It's been circled in my Bible for some time. Now, you probably had times as a Christian when you thought you just couldn't go on. Truth of the matter is, you can. We find in 1 Corinthians 10, 13, the Bible says, There hath no temptation taken you, but such as is common to man. But God is faithful, who will not suffer or allow you to be tempted above that which you're able But will with the temptation also make a way to escape that you may be able to bear it? And the truth is, if you really had to, the strength would be there when you needed it on that day. The Bible says that the gospel of Christ is the power of God unto salvation. Welcome to Pulpit Power featuring Pastor Tony Skeving, senior pastor of Fargo Baptist Church in Fargo, North Dakota. Today's message was previously preached before a church audience, and now, here's Pastor Skeving. Well, let's take our Bibles, please, and turn to the Old Testament book of Deuteronomy and the 33rd chapter, Deuteronomy chapter 33. We're going to be talking today about just enough strength, just enough strength. I thought about calling this strength for the coming year or Your strength is going to equal your days, because that's true. But we're on the threshold of what I think is is really a great time in our church's history and a great time of the year. And so we're going to be talking about a great truth here from Deuteronomy chapter 33, beginning in verse number 24. And of Asher he said, Let Asher be blessed with children. Let him be acceptable to his brethren. And let him dip his foot in oil. Thy shoes shall be as iron and brass. And as thy days, so shall thy strength be. Now notice the last part of verse number 25. It says, and as thy days, so shall thy strength be. We find from this a terrific truth, and we're going to be talking about it as we deal with just enough strength. Let's pray before we begin. Father, we thank you, dear Lord, for this time It's a special time. It's a time we gather every week at this time. And, Father, we pray that you'd bless it, that you'd use it, you'd speak to our hearts, and that you'd encourage us as we look at uh, the fresh set of months ahead. Help us now to remember this every day of this coming year and put it to practice. We pray and ask it all now in Jesus' name. Amen. We're a little less than two weeks from inaugurating our 45th president I remember as a kid in grade school looking at the list of presidents, and they're all numbered. And as I was going down the list, I just happened to notice that the the 22nd president was the same as the 24th president. But there was one in between. And I thought, that's odd. But here's the story behind Grover Cleveland. He actually was elected, and then he lost re-election, and then he won re-election four years later. Uh, He was quite a character. He was the man who dedicated the Statue of Liberty, and he was the only president married while in office there in the White House. But he faced a lot of really serious national issues at the time of his presidency and some very, uh, very serious personal ones as well. In fact, he he had he had something fatal. I don't know all of it, but he would have died. But he had he had a, a an emergency surgery done. But he didn't dare do it in a an average hospital because he didn't want the public to know. And so he borrowed a uh, yachts. Uh, a friend's yacht and, and uh, a surgeon and, and, and went out to sea and actually had it performed there. And, and he lived just fine. But he was a hardworking guy. Many, many nights he was seen to be working well after midnight and uh, well into the morning as well. And he faced a lot of adversity. But when he was on his deathbed, he, he said, you know, I, I just worked as hard as I could work. And he had a motto. It it hung actually on the wall of his office as he was working his way up the ranks politically. And then finally when he made it into the White House, it hung over his bed. This motto is found at the last part of verse 25. It says, And as thy days, so shall thy strength be. He woke up every single morning with that conviction, God's going to give me strength for this day. As thy days, so shall thy strength be. Now, by way of background, we have Moses. He's 120 years of age here in Deuteronomy chapter 33. He's at the base of Mount Nebo. I was there a few months ago. What a blessing that was. He's going to look down at the promised land, and then he's going to die. But before he does at the base of the mount, he gathers together the 12 tribes of Israel together. He gives them a very uh, uh, solemn a special farewell, and he predicts the future of each tribe, their fate and uh, their fortune. And he goes through all of them. He begins in, in verse number 6, and we won't go through them all, but he just mentions Reuben, let Reuben live, and so on. He gets to verse 8. He mentions Levi, says a lot about him. And then in verse 12, he says, and of Benjamin. And he says some things about Benjamin there. Goes on, he's mentioned Joseph. And in verse number uh, 17, he mentions Ephraim. He mentions Zebulun in verse 18, and Issachar. And then he gets down to the tribe of Gad in verse number 20 and he mentions Dan in verse 22 Naphtali in verse 23 and then he gets to verse 24 and he mentions the tribe of Asher That's my grandson's name by the way Asher What does Asher mean Asher means happy it means blessed and we know even in the beatitudes blessed are these people and it's saying happy are they And so it's saying blessed or happy, and you've got the happy tribe, the most happy tribe in Asher, the the most blessed tribe, if you will. And he mentions these things in verse 24. He says, and of Asher, he said, let Asher be blessed with children, let him be acceptable to his brethren, and let him dip his foot in oil. Now, when we hear that, we think of immediately crude oil, right? Petroleum oil. And even uh, recently, they were, tr- they were drilling in that area of Asher trying to find oil. Uh, in fact, Israel doesn't have much oil in it at all. Somebody said Moses took a wrong turn. He should have gone to Saudi Arabia instead of Israel, and, and then he'd have had the oil. But, but Israel is a blessed nation. It's a beautiful nation. It's a blooming nation at this time, but it's not a nation with a lot of oil reserves. And so I don't think it's talk about oil here in, in crude oil or petroleum oil, but so much as olive oil. Let his foot be dipped in oil, olive oil. We find in Genesis 49 that Jacob, or Israel, is giving similar blessings to all the 12 tribes of Israel. Remember that? He gets to Asher and he mentions how blessed they are going to be in an agricultural sense. And today even, that region is full of of olive vineyards. It's it's really this, this, this... prized strip of land in the north part of Israel and it's just north of of modern day Haifa and it ended at uh, probably the region of southern Lebanon today but it's some of the richest land it's fertile the the rainfall is just perfect there's a mild climate it's really the breadbasket of Israel and and we find this this blessing this benediction being given upon Asher and and before they even got the land Moses saying that's the land you're going to get this is what it's going to be like but there's a second blessing here And we find it in verse 25. Moses goes on. Thy shoes shall be as iron and brass. And as thy days, so shall thy strength be. He said, your shoes are going to be like iron and brass. And those were the strongest metals known to man at that time. More about that in just a moment. Why that blessing was given to them. But then he gives us our text. Last part of verse 25. And as thy days, so shall thy strength be. Be. So you've got Asher, you've got the happy tribe, you've got Moses addressing all 12 tribes, saving Asher to last, pronouncing this blessing, this benediction upon him, going to be given this fertile land, going to be given these shoes of iron, and they're going to be given enough strength for every single day. Strength to bear whatever the day might bring. And with that, Moses climbed up Mount Nebo. He, he looked from Pisgah's high. He, 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 he saw the land he wasn't allowed to go into, and he gave up the ghost. God buried him, and he passed away. But he gives us something precious for the 21st century and something that we can really use in the year ahead. And it's this. You're going to have just enough strength for every single day. This is a, a powerful This is a high-voltage verse here that we find in Deuteronomy chapter 33. It's been circled in my Bible for some time. Now, you probably had times as a Christian when you thought you just couldn't go on. Truth of the matter is, you can. We find in 1 Corinthians 10, 13, the Bible says, There hath no temptation taken you, but such as is common to man. But God is faithful, who will not suffer or allow you to be tempted above that which you're able But will with the temptation also make a way to escape that you may be able to bear it. Have you ever looked at somebody and watched them going through it and you said, I just couldn't do that. I I just couldn't go through what they're going through. Truth is, you could. Truth is, you're stronger than you think. And, And the truth is, if you really had to, the strength would be there when you needed it on that day. I watched a documentary this last week. It was about an hour and a half on Churchill. And I don't know if you've studied his life like I have. An amazing man. Of all the famous, powerful, I mean, great Brits of all time, he was voted number one. I wish I had time to tell you everything in my heart about him right now. But I, I, I'll just tell you that he really dug in at a time when his, his nation needed him. He begged the U.S. to come to his site. And, and here was Hitler just decimating Europe. And finally, we got into the war but what, but what really turned the tide of it was our young GIs from the U.S. The U.S. turned that war around. There's no question about that. But here's Hitler's army goose-stepping across Europe, the powerful Third Reich. And we reached down into the, the bedrooms of our, our, our high school graduates. Here's 18-year-old boys and, and, and pulled them up and drafted them and trained them and sent them off to war, and they stopped Hitler's war machine. I mean, weeks early, they couldn't even keep their room clean. But now here they are conquering the world. And and you would have said, oh, it'll never amount to anything. But when they had to, they did. And folks, that's the point. When you need it, it will be there. The grace will be there. That's what Moses meant here in verse 25. And as thy days, so shall thy strength be. As we consider this here today, let's see what I call first of all a deficiency of gifts or or talents or abilities or resources or the wherewithal we have a deficiency folks we have shortcomings we 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 are feeble we don't want to admit it but we're frail we're weak and the text implies that God is saying here you are weak and you are going to need strength and I'm going to give it to you you ever feel weak do you have an Achilles heel Is there something that uh, maybe uh, you don't even want to know where you're vulnerable, but you know you're weak? Well, here's Moses, by the way, very, very weak, the reluctant leader, the one who God called and the one who who said, get somebody else. I find no less than five reasons that Moses gives why he's not the guy for the calling. Here he is, 80 years of age, he's been sitting around watching sheep for 40 years, and God calls him the greatest ministry he could ever imagine to deliver two, three million Jews out of Egyptian bondage and Moses does everything he can to get out of that and he gets out there finally agrees to it God makes him do it basically and things aren't going well in the desert and we find this over in Numbers eleven fourteen. Moses said I am not able to bear all this people alone because it is too heavy for me Moses saying God I can't do this can't do it never felt like that you're in over your head or, or there's something. It's just too much for you. You don't have the strength to do it. I think of the New Testament where the Lord told Peter in the inner circle there to just pray. Christ is going to the cross. He needs some reinforcement from heaven. Pray for me, fellas. They can't do it. They fall asleep. We read over in Matthew chapter 2640 that Christ cometh unto disciples and findeth them asleep and saith unto Peter, What? Could you not watch with me one hour? Peter just couldn't. He was too weak. And there we are. We're weak as well. We have those demands, those demands of life. Maybe you wear a number of hats and and, uh, you're stretched to the max and you're on a treadmill and it just never seems to end. And, And maybe you're like me sometimes. You're doing your best, trying to get it all done. And like the psalmist, maybe you look up and you say, oh, turn unto me and have mercy upon me. Give thy strength unto thy servant. Psalm 86 16. You ever feel that way? You look heavenward and you say, I need help. I need strength. Please give strength unto thy servant. Or maybe you do your best and you look back and you see failure. You see financial failure. I was talking to a a great guy this last week in his 80s and um, he's made millions and lost millions. It was very interesting. But he talked about his failures financially. Maybe you have some of those. Maybe you have domestic failures. Maybe in marriage. Maybe in, in child rearing. And you look back and you see those. Maybe, maybe it didn't work out on the job and you failed there. Maybe it's your possessions. You said, I shouldn't have bought that or whatever it might be. But you do your best and, and you look back and you say, I, I could have done better. I should have done better. You know how pastors feel. If you want to come up close, I'll tell you how preachers feel sometimes. Here, you, you prepare for the pulpit. You, you have a thousand texts that you could cover, and, and and you concentrate. I mean, these are the holy oracles of God. You don't want to drop the ball, and so you pray. You take it serious. You bow the knee for help, and then you get in the pulpit, and the tongue just doesn't cooperate. The thoughts just don't cooperate. And, and what you thought would be this mighty river ends up being like a trickle out of a plugged-up faucet. And you go, boy, that didn't fly. And afterwards, you, f- you failed, and, and you know you didn't do it the way the Lord would have wanted it done, or the Lord would have done it. Now, that's my world. Now I don't know what your world is, what your business is, what your job is, what it's like with your family. But I, knew, I know we have those times where we, we, we realize this deficiency of gifts this deficiency of strength and the fact that we're weak and you realize weakness when you attempt to accomplish things you also realize weakness at times when you're suffering when you're suffering now it's one thing to talk about financial issues it's another to go through them it's it's one thing to talk about going under the knife (laughs) thank god i never have some of you have it's another thing totally to go under the knife in an operation you know, all of us are good sailors on dry land, aren't we? <laughs> you know, but out there in the waves, in the sea of life, it's another story. We also realize our weakness at times of vital decisions. Vital decisions. I like what the prophet Jeremiah said. It's so true. In Jeremiah 10.23, he said, O Lord, I know that the way of man is not in himself. It is not in man that walketh to direct his steps or his own steps. It's not in us. The wherewithal is not there. The way of man is not in himself. We don't know what to do. We have these vital decisions. I think of a good king back in Second Chronicles chapter 20. His name was Jehoshaphat. And he had three enemies come against him. And and really, the Jews could have done them all in earlier, and they didn't. And really kind of had some kind of a a bloodline traced to the Jews. The Edomites, the Moabites, and the Ammonites, all on the the east side of the Jordan. And they gathered their their armies together with others, and they're just going to wipe out Israel. And Jehoshaphat recognized that. He recognized how weak he was, how weak the army was, how weak the people were. And we find a great statement made in Second Chronicles 20 verse 12. He prays, He says, "O our God, wilt thou not judge them? For we have no might against this great company that cometh against us? Neither know we what to do. but our eyes are upon thee. I love that. We don't have any might against this great company, neither know we what to do. Ever felt like that? But then he adds, our eyes are on thee, and God gave a great deliverance. You know, we can talk big when the cupboards are full, and the kids are healthy, and the, there's gas in the tank, and the rent is paid, or the house payment's made, and everything's going well, and, and we can talk about how good, how good God is, but what about when everything's gone wrong, the, the, the wheels have fallen off, your life's gone south, is God still good? You know, only then do we realize how much we need Him. Should in the good times as well as the bad. God help us. But we have this deficiency of gifts. Now, secondly, we find here in this truth what I call the demand of grace. We need grace. There is a demand for grace. Christ said something powerful in John 15, 5. He said, I am the vine, ye are the branches. He that abideth in me and I in him, the same bringeth forth much fruit. For without me ye can do nothing. Isn't that the truth? If we don't realize that, we really need to realize that. He's the vine, we're the branches, and he that abideth in him, he says, the same bringeth forth much fruit. And then he adds, for without me, ye can do nothing. Now, it's that time of the year when maybe you're making resolutions and you're saying, boy, I'm going to start doing this or I'm going to stop doing that. I don't know about you, but boy, I'll tell you what. I I mean well sometimes and it just doesn't happen. Spiritually speaking, there's a song and I love it. It's entitled, I'm so tired of being stirred, but not being changed. You ever felt that way? You just get tired of being stirred, but not changing. And so you make this vow and and spiritually you say, I want to have more faith. And you mean to have more faith, but your faith dips You say, I want to live more sacrificially. And and then you find yourself back on that throne of King Me, calling the shots again, self-serving, self-gratifying. You mean to love the Savior more. But you go backwards. And your intentions of going this direction end up going that direction. And you say, well, I'm making progress now, but it's a slippery slope. And you just go back, back down again. Just when you think you've arrived, you fall flat on your face. And I've seen that pattern. You know, maybe it's a temptation. You have a, an Achilles heel and, and uh, maybe nobody even knows about. We have folks here that to, to you, getting drunk is a temptation. Now, honestly, you could just flash all the booze in the world in front of me and it just wouldn't tempt me. That's, that's not my Achilles heel. We have folks here and you might struggle with drugs. You know, you could offer me all the drugs in the world and, and that's not a temptation. But we all have our Achilles heel, don't we? Uh, maybe it's, it's lust, maybe it's anger, maybe it's money, maybe it's the temptation to make a dishonest gain and get money. I don't know what it might be, but the devil knows where we're vulnerable and the devil knows where the rift in that armor is, where that chink in that armor is and where to point his darts and where to shoot his arrows. There was a uh, European castle years ago, and it was besieged. The enemy was outside. They couldn't get in, though. Try as they might. But there was a traitor inside. And that traitor made his way outside at night. He went to the leader of the invading army. He said, there's an underground passage to this place. It's subterranean, but he said, I can show you where it is. Uh, it's behind a heap of stones. And if you take those away, you'll find this huge thick door. And there's a, there's, a, there's a key, and I've got it to the lock. And you can come into the city this way. You know, I thought about that, and I thought about these, these passages into our hearts that the devil knows about. And we might put up all the barricades. We might have that armor on and such. But you know, we can be like Samson who can slay a thousand strong men but have this weakness. And and Samson perished in his his self-sufficiency because he forgot the source of strength. God help us. We see the demand for grace. We need grace. We find a great verse over in 2 Corinthians 9 and verse 8. And God is able to make all grace abound towards you, that ye, always having all sufficiency in all things, may abound to every good work. It's talking about grace. It's talking about abounding in grace. It's talking about having sufficiency in grace and and just enough strength, which takes us back to our title here. Look in verse number 25 again. He says to Asher, Thy shoe shall be iron and brass, and as thy days, shall, so, the, shall, so shall thy strength be. In other words, you're going to have just enough strength for the need. Just enough strength for the day. Now, you might look at so-and-so and say, Man, I wish I had as much faith as so-and-so. You know what? You don't need as much faith as so-and-so. God knows how much faith they need. Bible talks about God giving to everyone the measure of faith that they need. So, if you had so-and-so's faith and you didn't need it, it'd be wasted faith. You know that back in the Old Testament, there's a principle taught. God told the Jewish people to just gather up enough manna for the day. Remember that? Just what you need. Now, they're like a a lot like us (laughs) and thought, well, you know, what if it doesn't show up tomorrow? Well, let's gather a little bit extra. So, they stashed a little extra, a little reserve there, you know. And what happened? Well, the Bible says it bred worms. It stank. And God was trying to teach him something. God said, you only need enough for today. Trust me, that grace will be there. That faith will be there. You say, but if I had more faith, I could, I could just do wonders. Yeah, and then you'd get the glory. But if God gives you just what you need, he gets the glory. I remember years ago, a man stood in this pulpit, Dr. Jerry McDonald. And he uh, talked about his, his battle with cancer. How many remember Brother Jerry and the Boys Ranch in Ufall, Oklahoma? He's with the Lord today. But he talked about a time he had just went through where he really had a close call with, with a heart attack. And he was dying. And he was panicking. Now, you would, you would hear that and you'd go, oh, tisk tsk, you know, a saved man. You're going to go to heaven. Scared with heaven, really, you know? But he said, I didn't have dying grace. And he said, I knew it wasn't my time. Now, we all watched him die here several years ago of cancer. And I talked to his son, JR, and he said, Dad is so ready. Dad is so at peace with it. Dad has the grace now. God gave him the grace. When you need the grace, the grace will be there. We find here in verse 25, Moses says, And as thy days, so shall thy strength be. God says, When the vessel gets empty, I'll put some more in it. But don't worry about it until then. He's not going to overdo it. He's not going to do it above what we need. He's going to give you just what you need. And we want to lay up this this store. We want to put this stash in reserve. And God says, no. As thy days, so shall thy strength be. Not weeks, not months, but as your days are. We are not going to get tomorrow's grace today. May I say that again? We are not going to get tomorrow's grace today. We're not going to get next week's grace this week. We're not going to get it today. I think of uh, Job's world falling apart. He, he gets word as he's, he's in his house that the Sabians have invaded the land and they've taken the ox and the donkeys. A lot of his livelihood. And he has the grace to say, God's still on his throne. Somebody else comes in and says, the fire fell from heaven and the sheep are devoured and he needs a little more grace. God gives it to him. He goes on. Then he hears that the Chaldeans came and took the camels, and oh, oh, that hits a little worse. He just lost everything. At least he still has his family, and the grace is there. But then somebody comes in and says, your, your kids are all having a, a supper, and the wind came out of nowhere, and the house collapsed. It fell on all of them. All 10 kids are dead. Now he needs more, doesn't he? What happens? God ramps up the grace. And Job says, the Lord giveth and the Lord taketh. Blessed be the name of the Lord. And the Bible says, and all, did, all this did not Job sin nor charge God foolishly. Why? Because he had the grace there. The verse says again, and as thy days, so shall thy strength be. A few years ago, I was over in uh, London on the way to uh, Africa and got, got enough time on the layover to visit the Tower of London uh, William Wallace, a lot of other people went down there at the Tower of London. It's a really, really creepy place. And, and it's been around for a thousand years or better. There's a story told of a, an English queen who only reigned for nine days. Her name was Lady Jane Grey. We'll just call her Jane. She's only 17 years of age. She had been educated and intelligent, beautiful. And uh, she married a fine young man at age 17, and she was heir to the throne. Actually, she had such a, a good heart, saved gal, Christian gal. And, and her predecessor named her to be the new leader of England. But after nine days, you know how these political upheavals go. And, and uh, anyway, she was, she was ousted and, and uh, found guilty of treason and uh, locked in the Tower of London, her and her husband, and so the day came, and, and uh, she was to be beheaded along with her husband. They got her husband first, took him out, and the axe fell, and, and he died. And they put the, the corpse on a cart, and it went right by her window. And she just gasped as she saw the headless body of her, her husband go by. And then uh, the door opened, and, and she was next. And she was taken to a, a particular place there in, in the tower. You can still see it today. And, and blindfolded. The, the executioner was weeping. He said, I'm so sorry I have to do this. He said, she said, I understand. And, and she said, can I lay my head on the block or do you do, you do it standing? He said, no, honey, you, you just go ahead and lay it down on the block. And, and so she struggled to find the block and she was assisted to do so. And, and she quoted something from God's word and the axe fell and she went out into eternity. Now, you would hear that and you would say, I couldn't go through that. I, I, I couldn't go through that. Well, you've never had to go through that. I've never had to go through that. We don't know if we could go through that. But we do have a promise from God. If we had to go through that, we could. The grace would be there. Paul said it this way in Philippians 4.13, I can do all things through Christ which strengtheneth me. That is a promise, one of 7,500 from the word of God, that we can claim yet to this day. I can do all things through Christ, Paul said, which strengtheneth me. We see this deficiency of gifts and this demand of grace. And finally, we see this durability of God. God is the one who will be faithful at such times when we need him. We find these powerful truths. 2 Corinthians 3.5 says not that we are sufficient of ourselves to think anything as of ourselves, but our sufficiency is of God. Folks, our sufficiency is not within. It's without. It's it's. God. It's God. In Isaiah 12 and verse two, the prophet said, "Behold, God is my salvation. I will trust and not be afraid. For the Lord Jehovah is my strength and my song. He also is become my salvation. Mentions God and salvation twice there. The only way you're going to get to heaven, friend, is God. And there are a lot of people who are trying to work their way there, and it is a hopeless cause. You could get baptized in every stream, river, lake, sea in the world. You could join every church on the planet. You could try and keep the commandments. You could do good works. But you are not going to work your way to heaven because the Bible says it's not by works of righteousness that we have done, but according to his mercy that he saved us. It's all God. And God is my salvation. And the prophet said, I will trust and not be afraid. Somebody put it this way, man's extremities are God's opportunities. Has God ever helped you? I've been saved long enough to see, I mean, a number of times where God just came to the rescue, where God just bailed me out. In Psalm 116, 6, it says, the Lord preserveth the simple. The psalmist adds, I was brought low and he helped me. He helped me. Has he ever just helped you? Have you ever just stopped and thanked him for the help? I did this last week. You know God helped you. We find the disciples in the New Testament, there's a storm at sea, and they need help. Guess where it comes from? Matthew eight twenty five says, His disciples came to him and awoke him, saying, Lord, save us. We perish. Have you ever done that? Lord, I'm going down. Help help. You know, sometimes we act like we don't want to bother him. Not going to bother him. Not going to wear him out. We read this in Psalm 103, verse 14. For he he knoweth our frame. He remembereth that we are dust. God knows what we're made of. We forget sometimes, but God doesn't. So here we are. And we stand on the brink of, of a fresh set of months and a new year but also as a church, a, a 30th anniversary, it, it is, it's a milestone. We have this motto for the new year. I love it. It's called greater things. We take it from John 150. Jesus answered and said unto him, Thou shalt see greater things than these. And so we go forward by faith. And let me just say it all begins with God. We owe absolutely everything to the good hand of God. Now, back to our text. In Deuteronomy chapter 33, We find in verse 24, and of Asher, he said, let Asher be blessed with children, let him be acceptable to his brethren, and let him dip his foot in oil. So he's going to be fruitful in that mountainous region, and that came to pass. But then in verse 25, Moses says, thy shoes shall be iron and brass. Here he is, the prophet, saying something profound, and basically saying, you're going to need iron shoes up there. It was mountainous, it was rocky, and God would provide them. May I say to you, the months ahead might be easy, they might be rough. I don't know what the path is going to be like. I know you're going to walk a path. And I know it could get, it could get rough before it gets better. Now, if the path was strewn with, with uh, flower petals, you know, uh, velvet slippers would do, wouldn't they? If it were that easy. Or if you're going to just sit in front of the TV and veg and chill and and not do much for God, thin socks will do, okay? You don't need any iron shoes, bottom line. But if you're going to serve the Lord and zealously serve the Lord, we have a promise for you as well. 2 Timothy 3.12 says, Yea, and all that will or will too live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution. If you have willed, if you have decided to live godly in Christ Jesus, the devil knows about it. And there are no silk slippers on the road to heaven. Let me just tell you, after 30, nearly 36 years of being saved, it can get brutal sometimes. It can get brutal. And you're going to need some iron shoes. So we find a few truths from this. And first of all, we find the clear commandment to march forward. God isn't saying, well, it's a, it's a rocky path, so just skip it. No. He gives us provision for the rocky path. He says, I'm going to give you these shoes of iron and metal. And he also promises here that you're not going to run out of strength before you run out of days. Having a hard day? Fear not. This says, as your strength is, so shall your days be. Maybe there are going to be days of sickness, but, but fear not. It says, and as thy days, so shall thy strength be. Maybe there's doubt in your life right now. Don't worry about that. Maybe there's confusion. That's, that's understandable. But we find in verse 25, and as thy days, shall, so shall thy strength be. So you can take the greatest worry that you have right now and you can line it up with verse 25 and claim this promise. And as thy days, so shall thy strength be. So shall thy strength be. You know, we sing a lot of songs sometimes. We don't really look at the lyrics, do we? But we sing Amazing Grace. And in that song, we read, through many dangers, toils, and snares, I have already come. Tis grace that brought me safe thus far, and grace will lead me home. You don't have to be anxious. You find some wonderful promises here. And, and by the way, these are promises from somebody who made us. He made you. Psalm 103 says, Know ye that the Lord, he is God. It is he that hath made us and not we ourselves. We are his people and the sheep of his pasture. So these are promises from somebody who has made us, somebody who sets our appointments. We read this in Job twenty three fourteen. Job said, For he performeth the thing that is appointed for me, and many such things are with him. So here we have a promise from somebody who made us, somebody who sets our appointments, somebody who loved us in eternity past. We read this in Jeremiah 31.3, The Lord hath appeared of old unto me, saying, Yea, I have loved thee with an everlasting love. So here's the one who made us, who sets our appointments, who loved us in eternity past, who knows our resources are limited, are limited. Now his aren't, but ours are. He can take a cruise of oil and just keep pouring out oil all day. He can take five loaves and two fishes and and keep feeding, how many? But we're limited. He's not. We find he also gave himself for us, and I don't have time to go into that. But what a great promise we find here in verse 25 from him. And as thy days, so shall thy strength be. Charles Haddon Spurgeon put it this way. He said, we never need to be afraid. If our troubles should become as high as mountains, God's grace would become like Noah's flood. It would go 20 cubits higher till the mountains are covered. And how true that is. So maybe there's, maybe there's black clouds gathering in your life right now and you're wondering what you should do. Let me just say, teach, take each day as it comes. I know that sounds overly simplistic, but just take each day as it comes. That's what he's trying to tell us here. Secondly, don't force the future. Leave that up to God. Let, let God determine that. Let God lead. And then just simply do each day what you can do. That's all you can do. Do each, do each day what God gave you to do, and then just sleep well at night. And then let me add three. rejoice in the Lord always. Rejoice in the Lord always. Enter into the, the, the months and, and the, the days ahead with joy and hope and faith. Somebody said that a Christian is to be uh, cheerful and fearless in the midst of trouble. And that's not always easy. Remember this simple little poem. Day by day, the manna fell. Oh, to learn this lesson well. Day by day, the promise reads. Daily strength for daily needs we find it this way from the lips of Christ in Luke eleven three. he taught us give us day by day our daily bread it's a daily thing there's another hymn that we ought to pay closer attention to how firm a foundation you know that song right you've sung that song how firm a foundation says in every condition in sickness and health in poverty's veil or abounding in wealth at home or abroad on the land or the sea as thy days may demand shall thy strength ever be I wonder where the songwriter got that huh could he have been looking at what you're looking at here today so maybe you're struggling mentally or emotionally or physically or morally or or, or spiritually whatever it might be and uh you say, I, I, I won't be able to handle it anymore. No, when it comes, you'll be able to handle it because there is one who is there to help us. Back in the Old Testament, the Jewish people were worshiping God during the days of Samuel. The evil Philistines approached and threatened the people. And they said, Samuel, cry out. And Samuel did. And the thunder came and freaked out the Philistines. And God gave a great battle. And afterwards, we find this truth given in 1 Samuel seven twelve. Then Samuel took a stone and called the name of it Ebenezer, saying, Hitherto hath the Lord helped us. Hitherto hath the Lord helped us. In the year ahead, you're going to face some obstacles. You're going to walk a path that gets rocky and treacherous at times. And you're going to wonder, do I have the strength to do this? When that time comes, I want you to remember verse 25 of Deuteronomy chapter 33 here. The last part says, and as thy days, so shall thy strength be. God will provide just enough strength, just enough strength. Let's stand to our feet, please. You've been listening to Pastor Tony Skeving of the Fargo Baptist Church in Fargo, North Dakota. If you would like a CD of today's message, you can obtain one by sending a gift of $2 to Fargo Baptist Church, 3303 23rd Avenue South, Fargo, North Dakota, 58103. That address again, Fargo Baptist Church, 3303 23rd Avenue South, Fargo, North Dakota, 58103. We hope you'll join Pastor Skeving next time right here on Pulpit Power. Pulpit Power is a production of Heaven 88.7.